another edition of Jonesing for Football as the draft fast approaches. In fact, we're just over a week away from the 2021 National Football League draft. Bill Jones along with young Cody Winstead. I'm in Dallas. Cody's in Philly. And, of course, the draft takes place in Cleveland this year. Uh, It's interesting because Dallas has hosted the draft in the past. Philly has hosted the draft in the past. And Cleveland making some moves with the signing of Jadavion Clowney a week or so ago. and uh, So there's a certain buzz in the air. The big thing, Cody, is it's going to be great that there's some in-person drafting going on this year. And it's not all virtual like last year. For sure. Fans are back at the draft. There's going to be team personnel there and players invited. And it's almost like uh, we're back to our real life pre-pandemic. And um, this is the best time of the year in my book. I love the draft. I know you love the draft. I know the big green scouting notebook. Let me see. Is it getting close to full? There it is. There it is. It's not only, you know what? It not only has its normal pages that are, how many pages are in this? I think it's 200 pages, whatever. There's five sections. We're looking for five-star players in here. But I've got reams of other information in here that uh, are filling up the notebook. That's when you know that this notebook is, re- it's, it, you know, it's like when you're in college, I know you studied and studied and studied, right, Cody? And yeah, your notebook by the end of the semester was just so chock full of stuff that uh, that's the way the green notebook is every year. Love it. Love it. All right, Bill Jones, let's get to today's segment. We're calling it Pick Your Player. And today we're going to focus on offensive guys. Uh, We'll do defensive guys later in the week. But the idea is pretty simple. I'll give you two draft prospects that play the same position and are kind of in that same range as far as where they're expected to go. You tell me which one you'd select. And we're starting with quarterbacks. Your choices, Bill Jones, are Trey Lance. North Dakota State or Mac Jones from Alabama. Dr. Jones, pick your player. Okay, I'm on the clock. And you I've are on the team. clock. I'm okay. I'm just going to say that. I mean, let's say I'm the Dallas Cowboys and I'm on the clock, and it's not the first round because we just signed a quarterback, Dak Prescott, but somehow, some way, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. We're in the fourth round of this draft, and Trey Lance and Mac Jones are still available. So who am I taking for the Dallas Cowboys? The reason I'm picking a team is I think it is important that you get a court, you, know, you want to get a quarterback that fits what you do offensively. Okay. And, and the reason I picked the Cowboys is I think Trey Lance reminds me somewhat of Dak Prescott coming out of North Dakota State. Uh, I think they're, they're similar. Even having said that, I would take Mac Jones over Trey Lance. And it goes a lot to what we talked about in our last episode, the fact that Trey Lance has only thrown 318 passes in his career. And I'm not smart enough as an evaluator of quarterback talent to stand on a table, even in the fourth round, and tell Jerry Jones, yeah, we need to take Trey Lance. I would take Mac Jones over Trey Lance. And one of the reasons with Mac Jones, when you look at the quality of competition uh, and and the production is obviously there for Mac Jones uh, last year with Alabama, but I 
I just went and looked at the Georgia game. And okay, Georgia has several draft prospects on that defense, including an edge rusher. And, uh, uh, yeah, and, and in the secondary uh, with Tyson Campbell and Stokes and LeCount as well. And, uh, but he's under pressure. He's under a lot more pressure in that game than what Trey Lance was in any game that he played at North Dakota State. Any of the 16 games he played in, uh, as an FC, on the FCS level. And he's in there, able to stand in there and make throws. Uh, yeah, he's got all the talent in the world around him. But still, you have to be able to deliver the football on target, on time, and process information. And uh, in, uh, in my opinion, as an evaluator of what I see on tape, uh, I don't think there's any comparison uh, from an uh, on an NFL projection, Mac Jones versus Trey Lance. I would take Mac Jones. I'm not high on either guy. Um, Lance has the higher ceiling, I think. Uh, Mac has the higher floor. And so because of that, um, I would take Mac Jones as well. You know, he's not going to turn it over. He's good in the red zone. Uh, good against zone defenses. He's definitely going to be good when he's prepared. Mac Jones, I think we can agree on that. The big thing for me is when he's not, you know, when he doesn't know what's coming or when he has to carry a team, will Mac Jones be able to do that? The answer is probably no. Um, but let's talk quickly, Trey Lance. I think things get interesting for Trey Lance because I don't think he's going to be selected in the top 10. I don't think he's going in the top 10. And so once you get to 11 Giants, 12 Eagles, uh, 13 Chargers, then I think you get into the mix where these teams that need a future quarterback start licking their chops. That's New England at 15. Uh, we talked about Washington at 19 and Chicago at 20. All, the, all three of those teams have quarterbacks that they're probably comfortable going into the year with. And if you're able to go move up and get Trey Lance, you know, like that, that seems like actually a pretty good uh, idea for one of those teams. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. All right, Bill Jones, let's get to the wide receivers. Your next pick your player. Mac Jones had the privilege of throwing to these guys. Both are likely to go in the top 10. Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. Mr. Jones, pick your player. I once again think this is a no-brainer. Really? I think it's a no-brainer. I do not. And, I can't wait to hear what you're saying. Well, and I understand that there's a lot of people in, in uh, both camps, but I'm Devontae Smith is the guy. I mean, uh, he, and take nothing away from Jalen Waddell, but when you look at his production, you look at him on tape and the, th and the little things that he does, things like coming back to the football, uh, even separation from a defensive back while the ball is in the air. <laughs> I'm talking late separation. And he's got the ability to separate on, running routes. Uh, the, I think the only thing myself, the only thing that I see that I'd look as a knock against him is his slight build. And can he hold up to the wear and tear in the NFL? And that is one of the reasons that I have Jamar Chase ahead of him on my board. Uh, but it's only because of Jamar Chase's uh, body, basically, uh, and I think his ability to withstand punishment in this league. Uh, but, you know, I, I look, kind of look at it this way. When I look at 
the amount of games played, games started at Alabama, okay? Just look at it like this. Devontae Smith last year started 13 games, had 117 receptions for 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns. Jalen Waddell had, well, he was injured, or, or six games, three starts, okay? He had four touchdowns, whatever. The year prior to that, okay, in 2019, 13 games, three starts. While Smith had 13 games, 11 starts. Smith had 68 receptions that year and 14 touchdowns. And he had twice as many catches as what Waddle did. In 2018, Waddle, uh, Waddle had 15 games, three starts. And, uh, and Smith was at 14 games, 10 starts. So what I'm getting at here, the coaches at Alabama see these guys on a daily basis, and they had Devontae Smith playing all the snaps, and Waddle was the, the third guy in, or I'm not sure exactly what the depth chart said each year at Alabama, but Smith was playing every year. He was starting games every year. Waddle wasn't. That takes nothing away from Waddle, but if you're asking me to pick a player, Smith versus Waddle, I'm going to take the guy that a re very respected coaching staff at Alabama has been taking the last four years. You can't argue with that. I would lean slightly Devontae Smith. If you go watch Jalen Waddle highlights, I'm not sure you could say, and I love Devontae Smith, but I'm not sure how you could say it's clearly Devontae Smith. I mean, Waddle is electric fast, and so is Devontae. As we mentioned on the last episode of Joning for Football, it's not fair Alabama had the two most electric players in the country on the same roster. These guys, it's drop it off for five yards, and they're running through entire SEC secondaries, past one, two, three, four guys. Um, so they're both just game breakers to the highest degree. Uh, I would lean towards Smith because I'm kind of uh, in your boat. To me, Waddle seems like a – like a really high-end number two receiver that will probably get you about 70-ish catches per year. Devontae Smith, to me, seems like a number one receiver that can get you 90-plus catches. And so um, I think that's probably why I would go with Devontae. Uh, again, both are unreal quick and unreal weapons, uh, but I would lean towards uh, the Heisman winner right there. Well, right. here's the other thing. The other thing on these two receivers is that we, we've got no times on either one of them. I mean, obviously, just they're fast. <laughs> we don't need times on them. But any separation that you might see that or explosion uh, from either one of them, we, they, they didn't work out. They didn't do the individual workouts uh, or the, the drills, the, the vert uh, and the broad jump and so forth. So we don't have any separation there to, to speak of. Yep. But I think to, to summarize, they're both really fast. They're both. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're four, and they two, can jump four, out of the gym. fast. Right. They're yeah. both four, two, four, three fast. All right. Our final one, Bill Jones, and we're going to the offensive line. We haven't done a ton of O-line talk here on Jonesing for football, but there are two tackles that have top 10 potential. Panay Sewell, the big man from Oregon, and Rashawn Slater, from Northwestern. He seems to have some position flexibility. Dr. Jones, pick your player. Well, I would say Panay Sewell has some position flexibility too. 
Now, one of the reasons that people talk about Rayshon Slater as having position flexibility, I have heard it voiced in the scouting community that there is concern about his arm length. He may need now, position need, flexibility, right? In order, in order to, he may have to play guard because his arms aren't long enough to play, especially left tackle in this league. Now, as it turns out, uh, when they measured, and here's the other thing on these arm lengths. You can change an arm length just by how you measure an arm length. And if someone is not doing it properly on campus at Northwestern or wherever uh, on these pro days, that's the thing. When, when we're talking, when we don't have a combine and we don't have the same standards on measuring arm length, then, and you got different people across the country doing it, are they doing it correctly or not? We don't know. Well, and an inch Slater, or two, an inch or two makes a huge difference. It, it, and, and I did the research on that uh, this past week as far as offensive tackles in the NFL who have an arm length that is, okay, Slater is at 33. Now, Sewell is just 33 and a quarter. And so it's not much difference there in arm length. Yep. But you can go down every roster of starting tackles in this league and you will only find a handful that have an arm length of under 33 and a half, basically, that are starting in the league at tackle. For instance, Tyron Smith with the Cowboys, a future Hall of Fame left tackle, 36 and a half inch arms. Okay. Lyle Collins, on the other hand, at right tackle, he's the same as Sewell, 33 and a quarter. You look at one guy who has been a mainstay at left tackle for years who has the, one of the shortest arms in the league is Jake Matthews at Atlanta, 33 and three eighths arms is what he measured. But ordinarily across the board, you will find especially left tackles. And I, and I, and I judge it by left tackles. If you're picking 10th in the draft, like the Cowboys are, or a top 10 pick, then that guy has to have the ability to play left tackle in my, in my opinion. And so that's where I have some questions not because I don't think they can play, but in the scouting community, is this, is Slater really going to be the tenth pick of the draft of the Cowboys when he's got thirty-three inch arms? I'm not sure. Uh, to answer your question, when I looked at Sewell and I saw some of the things that he did, I was like, uh, I got finished watching him the first time. I said, "Well, that guy's the best player in the draft." There you go. <laughs> I mean, it was that impressive. Uh, so to answer your question. I'm picking Sewell over Slater. I think Sewell is, uh, he's just a guy that, you know, at 330 pounds, the movement is there. The, uh, I mean, he's just a road grader and he's got athletic ability to pass protect as well. Uh, Penny Sewell is the top tackle in this draft. I'm with you there. To me, it's an easy one. I think it's Sewell, which is interesting though, because, uh, it seems like Slater on some mock drafts that I've seen has actually been taken ahead of Sewell, especially recently. Um, you know why? Do you know why? Because uh, people well, get caught up in pro day numbers. The big thing that everyone's pointed out that I've heard about Slater is he did a good job against Chase Young, a couple, uh, not in last year, but the year before. And I went back and watched those games, those plays, and – it wasn't as impressive. He wasn't like mauling Chase Young. A lot of them were runs the other direction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Quick passes. 
Right, exactly. It wasn't like he was owning Chase Young, blowing him off the line. I mean, he held up, but I wouldn't say he dominated Chase Young at all. But anyway, um, I think Sewell, I'm with you. He's the top O-lineman in the draft. What's interesting about him is he opted out last season. So we're really judging him on 2019 when he was 18 and 19 years old and was determined as clearly the best offensive lineman. He won the Outlin, he won the Morris. The guy won AP Pac-12 co-offensive player of the year, a lineman as a sophomore. And he was 18 for half the season. And so uh, I think Sewell's the guy. I mean, you probably have these numbers too, allowed one sack in two years playing at Oregon. And I saw he didn't give up more than two pressures in any of his 21 games. And he did that as a freshman and a sophomore. And so this guy's elite. He has Hall of Fame potential. I, I've got written down generational talent uh, yep. next to his name. How often have you seen an offensive lineman named Conference Offensive Player of the Year? That's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's what Sewell was in 2019. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And to talk about his age, he doesn't turn 21 until October, which is a lot like Tyron Smith when he came out of USC. His birthday's in December, and he was 20 years old when he was drafted as well. Uh, and, and here's the other thing. You know, Sewell, he's 6'5", 331 pounds. Slater, 6'4", 304 pounds. But what I was about to say earlier is the reason that Slater moves up on all these mock drafts uh, is because people get their pro day numbers. You get uh, in, in this case with Slater, he ran a 488 with a 168 10 yard split, which is terrific. <laughs> uh, he's at 33 bench reps, 33 vert, 445 shuttle, 748 cone drill. I mean, his athleticism is terrific. And so, so this is taking nothing away from Slater, but Panay Sewell is, as I say, he's a generational talent. And I think. The Cincinnati Bengals at number five have to take a long, hard look at Sewell. And, that you, you know, they'll take a long, hard look at Pitts if he's there, at Jamar Chase. And Panay Sewell is another one that they've got to really look at. Uh, and I think the Cowboys at number 10, if, if Sewell fell to 10, they got to take a long, hard look at him there. But I don't think he's getting anywhere close to 10. I think he's going to be gone long before then. Yeah, I'll end it with this, Bill Jones. The quote from Mario Cristobal, he said it on NFL Network. He actually said something similar to what you said, generational player about Panay Sewell. And then he went on to say, I would also say the same about him as a human being. And he said the leadership, the power in which he plays, his football IQ, his ability to see things, his instinct is something that can change an entire franchise. Now, again, that's wow. his coach speaking to him. So you'd assume... Um, there would be glowing reviews, but um, I think he's pretty close on a lot of those evaluations there, his, just his projection for Sewell. All right, so we've got Penny Sewell getting drafted uh, perhaps as high as top five, and uh, we also had Kyle Pitts. I had Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I targeted him number four to Atlanta, so enough about you quarterbacks, you know, four quarterbacks going in the top four five quarterbacks in the top five. We got Trey Lance all the way out of the first round. By, give us another week, and we might have him in the third round. What do you think, Cody? 
No, we're not going to go quite that far. We think he drops out of the top 10, but we think someone probably jumps up uh, for Trey Lance. Another point on that, when it relates to the NFC East, and I can see Philadelphia with Lance because, you know, obviously they got question marks with Jalen Hurts. How about having Hurts and Lance? I mean, if he got down to that point. And how about Jason Garrett with the Giants? You know, with what's going on with Daniel Jones, if he looks at Trey Lance as being a uh, Dak Prescott starter kit, and he, of course, had Dak uh, in Dallas, uh, he might be pounding the table for Trey Lance. But he, I think he probably is pounding the table for a wide receiver more so. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he'd be more interested in helping his offense this year rather than a quarterback. In, uh, like if Jalen Waddell was still there or Devontae, uh, he would be all over that. No doubt about that. All right, uh, that's it for this one. Let's talk. Let's do defense. I enjoyed this game. You did a great job. Um, so we actually agreed on all three guys if you're scoring at home. Next episode of Jonesing for Football. We're going defense. Um, I've got some guys in mind. Linebackers, Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Owusu karamoa We'll see who uh, Bill Jones will take uh, in the next edition of Jonesing for Football. All right, that does it. We'll see you next time on Jonesing for Football. Jonesing for Football.